The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Acts chapter 1. We're in a series right now called Framing Faith, and we've been talking about how we build the foundation of our walk with God, right? And we're saying that uh, we have to have the right foundation in place if we're going to move on to what God has for us. We've been looking at these six essential foundations that we find in Hebrews chapter 6. Look at this with me. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. That means maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God of the doctrine of baptisms, notice it's plural, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. We're told in these verses that God wants to, wants to let you move ahead. He's got things for you. God has a purpose for you, a plan for you. He wants to move you ahead into some great, incredible things. But, but, and, and you want that. God wants that for you. But just because you want that, just because God wants that, doesn't mean it's going to happen. In order for you to move ahead into what God has for you, there are certain foundations that have to be put in place. And if they're not put in place, you're not going to be able to move ahead because what will happen is if the foundation isn't right, what you try to build on the foundation in this world is going to crumble under the stresses and the strains that this world brings against you. And I want you to know this world's going to bring trouble against you. You may be a Christian, but we still live in a broken world. And Jesus said, you're going to have troubles in this world. So it's important that the right infrastructure is in place so that we can withstand when the enemy comes against us and when this broken, fallen world tries to get all up on us. And so that's what we've been looking at. And we've said that there's, there's six essential foundations here, but really there's actually seven. Because one of them, the baptisms, is, is plural, right? And we talked last week, if you were here last week, we talked about water baptism and how important it is to make that decision. It's an essential foundation that will help you to move ahead in God, what God has for you. If you missed last week, make sure you go back and listen to that message. And today I want to talk to you about an additional baptism. Everybody say an additional baptism. And I, I want to show you this, and I'm calling this message an additional baptism because one, I'm, I'm going to show you today that there is an, uh, there's another baptism that you need to receive after salvation. It's an additional baptism that not every believer understands they need to receive. And also, I want you to see this today because it's an additional in the, in the sense that it adds so much to your life. I want to talk to you today about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I, man, I'm so pumped about this. This is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. It really is. And I know that there's some of you right now that you may be going, oh boy, what have I gotten myself into? What kind of a church is this? Maybe you've been coming for a while and you didn't, you know, know, you don't know anything about this. I think there's kind of three categories of people. There's some of you in here, you have no idea. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, you know what that is. You're kind of like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm open. I'm interested. Some of you maybe hear this and you're like, man, I don't know about this. Like, where's this church going? Just so you know, this church has been going this way all along, okay? And then there's some of you that maybe you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but but you, you're, I believe God wants to show you some things related to your relationship with the Holy Spirit that's going to really help you today. So Acts chapter 1, let's dive into this this morning. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to ascend. Now, this is Jesus talking to his saved disciples. His, his disciples have received salvation. They've, they've met the resurrected Jesus. They've confessed with their mouth, he is Lord. They are saved. And Jesus is talking to them 
about what they're supposed to do next. These are his final words, which you know final words are a big deal, right, church? Final words are a big deal. So he's given him his final words, and he's already talked to them about this mission that they're going to be on. It's called the Great Commission. Just so you know, we talked about this last week. Commission, it's a co-mission. It's a mission that they're on, but they're not on it alone. And what Jesus is getting ready to say here and explain to them is the person who's going to be in the mission with them. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Commanded. Everybody say commanded. commanded. He didn't ask them. He didn't request of them. He didn't say, would you please do this? He commanded. That's strong, right? Yeah. Commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say, wait. Wait, wait. wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, Jesus talking, you heard from me. In John 14, 15, 16, Jesus talked about the promise of the Father, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's the promise. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they, when they had come together... They asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, they're saying, you know, Rome's in charge right now. Are you going to, is this going to all change? Are you going to change everything that's going on in the world right now? And Jesus said this. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, he's saying, you're not going to know when all, everything in this world is going to change. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Witnesses. To me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the world. Okay, so Jesus is talking to his disciples. These are his guys. These are guys that have been with him for three straight years, day in, day out, spending time with him. They've seen the miracles. They've had special insight. They've had personal one-on-one conversations with him. These are his dudes. These dudes are saved, and Jesus is talking about what they're going to need in order to walk in maximum effectiveness in the mission that he's called them to. And he says, before you go try to pull off this mission I've called you to, he says, wait, wait. He says, wait for what? Wait for the promise, which he says, you shall receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus is saying. Don't go out and and, and begin to try to be witnesses until you've received the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to see this morning is that the Holy Spirit is foundational. It's foundational. Jesus lets us know. If we're going to move ahead in what God has for us, we have to build our life on the baptisms. And one of the baptisms is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's receiving and walking in a relationship with the one who wants to help you and guide you with life. And if you want to move ahead in what God has for you, you need to be walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this. In order to be the witness God has called us to be, you need to receive the power that comes from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so what we see from here is that the disciples obey Jesus and they go to what's called the upper room and they wait and there is the day of Pentecost when they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and what we see from that day forward is the, the church, the book of Acts church is built around relationship with the Holy Spirit. We see the New Testament church uh, depending on the Holy Spirit, interacting with the Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit. They're looking to the Holy Spirit. The the New Testament church, we see an essential foundational part of the lives of the people of the early church is them walking in relationship and connection with the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know what was essential and foundational for the early church needs to be essential and foundational for the church of today. You need to be walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, you need to step into and walk in this additional baptism that maybe you've never received before. 
So I want to help you with this today. So let's, let's talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? Well, in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is, is talking, and he is sharing what, what's referred to as the Last Supper. And actually, those four chapters are one long conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, in which he's telling them that he's going to be leaving. He's going to be going to the cross, but, but he's, he's letting them know and giving them insights into the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit's going to do and who the Holy Spirit is. And I want you to look at how he refers to the Holy Spirit. Look at this, John 14, verse 16, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Notice that word, helper. That he may abide with you forever. Isn't that good news? God wants to be with you forever through the Holy Spirit, abiding in you, living. Abide means come to live, come to, to be with you all the time. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus is introducing his, his disciples, his guys to the Holy Spirit. He's going to be leaving, but he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. And, and notice as he introduces the Holy Spirit, he doesn't introduce the Holy Spirit as an it. He introduces the Holy Spirit as a he. Okay, so if you're taking notes this morning, here's the first thing you need to write down. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. If you read through the Bible, and you're going to find the Holy Spirit all throughout the Bible, by the way, from the book of Genesis, early in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the earth, all the way through the book of Revelation, you're going to see the Holy Spirit is all throughout the Bible. And every time the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit, it never refers to him as an it. It always refers to him as a he or a, a him. In fact, in, the, in, the, in Romans 8, it tells us that the Holy Spirit has desires. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that he has a mind. The Bible tells us he can be grieved, he can be insulted, he can be resisted. The Holy Spirit is a person. And it's important that you understand that because if you don't see him as a person, it's going to be hard for you to walk in a personal relationship with him. You know, my wife Sarah is here this morning. You just saw her just a moment ago. And when I'm introducing my wife Sarah to people, I don't refer to her as an it. Like when I'm out in Guest Central and we're meeting new people, which by the way, if you're new to New Song Church this morning, if this is your first time, me and my wife Sarah will be out in the lobby after the service. I'd love to meet you, get to know you. I've got a gift to give to you, so make sure you stop by and say hi. And when you come by, I'll introduce you to my wife. And when I introduce you to her, I'm not going to say, uh, this is my wife Sarah. We've been, I've been married to it for 17 years. Isn't it cute? Man, I love it. No, because she's not an it. She's a person. And this is big because we don't typically have personal relationships with things that aren't persons. And if we do, it's weird. Okay? To kind of help you illustrate this this morning, I brought a picture of this album I saw years ago. You guys go ahead and throw that up there. The, uh, you know, here's the thing. If you saw this picture, I don't know what's going on here. Amen, Eric. It was recorded live, by the way. It was live. It was a live take they got on it. Um, but when they, you know, if you saw this picture and it was two people and they've got their faces up with their eyes closed, you might be like, oh, that's kind of a nice little 70s image. But when you see Eric there, it's like, no, something's off. <laughs> Eric's not a person, guys. Eric's a puppet. Everybody say, Eric's not a person. You can't have a relationship with Eric. Is anybody in here named Eric? Okay, Good. <laughs> If you're Eric, I was going to say, Eric, we love you. You're, if you're watching online, Eric, we love you. You're a person. You're a child of God. We love you, Eric. 
But this Eric is not a person. He's a wooden puppet. And that's weird, right? Maybe you've met the guy before who, who like, has a personal relationship with his car. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's not cool. Not good. Not good. We don't typically have personal relationships with stuff. And so, so here's my point. If you see the Holy Spirit as, as a stuff, as a thing, then you're going to have a hard time connecting with him on a personal level. But the Holy Spirit isn't a power. He isn't a force. He's not just something that emanates from God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And you need to settle that in your heart because you, until you do, you're going to have a hard time relating to him. And I want you to know, the Holy Spirit wants to relate to you on a personal level. God sent him to walk beside you in life, to help you, to be a person you can come to and contact and, and have relationship with to help you through life. He wants to have a personal walk with you. He's God here to be with you and in you. And so you need to see him the right way. He's a person. Here's the second thing you need to understand about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Taking notes this morning, the Holy Spirit is God. God is a triune being. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and now listen, I'm not saying that, that God is, there's three gods. What I'm saying is there's only one God, and the Bible's very clear about that. But, but God is, has three distinct personalities that function as one, and one of those is the Holy Spirit. So understand the Holy Spirit is God. In the book of John, we actually see it speaking to this idea, in, I'm sorry, book of Acts, Acts chapter 5, with the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You guys remember this story? Ananias and Sapphira have sold a piece of land. This is during the New Testament church days, and, and they sold a piece of land, and people at this time are selling off property, and the church is just really unified and really coming together and so these people sell this piece of land, and then they come to the church, and they give the money to the church, which you're going, oh, that's a good thing. But what they do, it's wrong, is they give part of the money, and they lie and say they gave all the money. The, the problem is not that they only gave part of the money. The problem is that they lied. And so Peter addresses this. Look at this, Acts chapter uh, 5, verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. Who did they lie to? Holy Spirit. Who did they lie to? Holy Spirit. That's right. And you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. He's saying, listen, you could have not sold the land. No one was making you do this. And when you sold it, you didn't have to give us all the money. You could do with it as you, as you please. That's not the problem. He says, how could you do a thing like this? What he's talking about is the lie. He's saying, how could you lie? He goes on to say this, you weren't lying to us, but to God. So notice he says at the beginning, Peter says, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you lied to God. So the Holy Spirit is God. And, and again, this is important that you see him from this perspective because, because here's what a lot of people think related to the Holy Spirit. They think, man, I don't know about this Holy Spirit stuff. Like I've seen some YouTube videos and some stuff. I've heard about some people holding snakes and barking and running around and doing some weird stuff, and I, I don't know. Holy Spirit seems like a bit of a wild card to me. And so I love Jesus, I love God, but that Holy Spirit stuff, I think I'm going to keep him a safe distance away from me. I'm not really sure I can totally trust him. Okay, listen to me, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is God, okay? So if that's, if that's your approach to the Holy Spirit, understand. What you're saying, in essence, is there's a part of God I don't fully trust. There's a part, there's a part of God I, I don't really want a relationship with. But the Holy Spirit is God. And I want you to know, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. 
In fact, Jesus said that. Remember John 14, 16? He said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Remember that? We just read that. Another helper. How many of you know when Jesus spoke, he knew exactly what he was saying? Yeah. Like Jesus wasn't just talking like willy-nilly. That's not how Jesus did things. Whatever he said, he knew exactly what he was saying. And when Jesus spoke this sentence and he said another, he used the Greek word allos. That Greek word allos means one of the very same kind, same character, same nature, same everything, almost a duplicate. So Jesus says to his disciples, he says, there's someone else coming and he's going to be just like me in every way. You say, but Josh, what about the crazy stuff? What about the, the stuff that I've seen? Like, how, what, what do I do with all that? Well, let, let me try to help you out with this, okay? Any sports fans in here this morning? Anybody like a sports team? You guys can admit that you like sports. I know you do. You do. Okay. We like sports. I, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan, and I, I like to go to games, you know, when that's a thing. It's nice to go to games. And when I go to a game, I'll go to a Thunder game, and, you know, I'll put on some gear. I want to dress like the team. I want to put on the team colors, support the team, right? Seinfeld fans support the team, right? So I put on the team colors. I'm going to go to the game. I'm going to cheer with everybody else, all that stuff. I'm going to OU game. I'm going to put on the, the crimson and cream so I can be a part of what's going on at the game, right? We do that. But there's some people, they'll go to the game, and their expression takes it up a notch. Like, for example, i got some pictures for you this morning. Again, check these out. This is the first guy here. So that's a Thunder fan. And this guy, he put that on. And he looked at himself in a mirror and he, he was like, yep, this is good. This is exactly what I want. Go to the next one, guys. Here's another dude. I like OU. <laughs> Decided to wear a helmet to the game. He's got his own little version of that. Interesting approach. I, I wouldn't do it, but that's his, you know, that's his expression of his fandom right there, I guess. Go to the next one, guys. You know, this guy's made, he's made quite a few decisions in life. Many decisions have led to this. And he, he again, he, he's like, he puts this on, he looks at himself. I, there, there had to be some help. Like there was probably a spouse involved. Or, or maybe not, maybe just some other dude. But, but he arrived. This is where he arrived. Pistols firing. Anyway. And this last one, this one I can relate to right now. This is uh, a couple of Cowboys fans. And I may not necessarily dress like some of those other guys, but if I was going to a Cowboys game right now, as big of a fan as I am, I'd probably put one of those suckers on my head because it's gotten ugly. It's gotten real ugly. But there's always next year, right? There's always next year. Okay, here's my point. Here's my point. I may not dress like that, but some people do that. And when they do that, nothing makes them do that. Like they didn't grab their ticket and all of a sudden they went into a trance. And, and, and when they got home after the game was over, they looked down at themselves and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm insane. Like what happened? I wore a vest and painted thunder up on my big belly. Like, no, no, no. They made that decision. You following me this morning? Yeah. Like the, the spirit of fandom didn't hit them and take them over and cause them to go into a trance and become these crazy fans. They chose to do that. And what I, what I want you to see this morning is like the Holy Spirit doesn't take you over and make you do crazy things. Right. The crazy things you've seen or heard about were people 
who like acting crazy. That's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, listen to me, listen to me. God will not make you do anything. God doesn't make you do anything. Here's the truth about God. God always operates in your life according to your will. You have to submit your will to the will of God. If God was going to make you do something, by the way, don't you think he'd make you do something better than acting crazy, barking like a dog, writhing on the floor? Like, wouldn't he make you stop sinning? Make you stop being so mean? Make you not flip that person off driving around? Oh, I can't. Thank you, Lord. No. That's not how it works. The Bible tells us this about God. It says if it's the will of God that all would come to repentance and none should perish. That's the will of God. But you know people are going to go to hell. Why? Because they didn't align their will with the will of God. God will not supersede your will. Your will has to come into agreement with the will of God. But, but here's what I believe is one of the tactics of the enemy is he wants to convince you that the Holy Spirit is crazy, that the Holy Spirit will make you do crazy stuff because the Holy Spirit is such an essential foundational helper in your life. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live the Christian life. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. He wants to guide you in all truth. He wants to walk beside you and help you in life. He wants to help you pray perfect prayers. That's the Holy Spirit. He's amazing. So maybe, maybe, is it possible that maybe the devil is working to show you just enough crazy stuff to make you go, I don't want anything to do with that Holy Spirit stuff. Of course he is. But I want you to know, the Holy Spirit's not crazy. He's God. The Holy Spirit's not going to make you do anything. You're not going to get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to find yourself praying in tongues over the loudspeaker at Walmart. You're good. You're going to be good. Okay? You're going to be fine. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He only goes where he's invited. He only moves when you allow him to. And when he moves, he moves in peace and he moves submitted to your will. That's how he moves. So, so you can trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's a person. The Holy Spirit is God. And here's the third thing. This is so awesome. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit wants to be your helper. In fact, Jesus said this about him in John 14, 15, 16. Let me show you some of the awesome things Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He said this, verse 26 of John 14, he said, but the helper, we read in verse 16, he's the helper. So this is the second time he's referred to as the helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Everybody say all things. things. He'll teach you all things. That's awesome. And bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So he'll remind you of the word. He'll show you what to do when you don't know what to do. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. John 15, verse 26, Jesus says this. He says, when the helper, this is the third time he's referred to him as the helper, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds the Father, which means he's the truth coming from the Father, he will testify of me. He'll keep pointing you back to Jesus. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus goes on to say this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. In other words, Jesus is saying, what I'm getting ready to say right here may be a little bit hard for you to believe, but this is the truth. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the fourth time Jesus has referred to him in this one sitting with his disciples as the helper, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. It says in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He wants to show you the truth for every situation you face in life. Isn't that good news? And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Notice he speaks. He wants to talk to you. He wants to reveal things to you. And he will guide you, or he will tell you things to come. In other words, he'll tell you what the future holds. How awesome is that? That's all Jesus. That's red letters right there about who the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life. Four times Jesus said he's going to be your helper. He's going to walk beside you and help you. He wants to be with you. And Jesus even goes to say this. He says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Now that's kind of hard to wrap our brain around, isn't it? To your advantage that Jesus is gone. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus. When Jesus was here, wasn't he amazing? I mean, the guy's pulling money out of the mouth of a fish to pay taxes. That'd be nice. He's healing every person he comes in contact with. He's raising people from the dead. He's speaking and giving revelation and insight into who God is and the nature and the character of God that is completely revolutionary. To people. I mean, how, how is it possible that it would be better that he's gone and the Holy Spirit's here? Well, remember what Jesus said? He said he would be another helper, an alos helper. He'd be just like him. But here's the difference between the two. You want to know what the difference is? When Jesus was here on earth, he could only be in one place at a time. And he was confined to humanity. But the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit can be with everybody all the time. Like just for the sake of kind of understanding this a little bit better, let me give you a little bit of an illustration here. Okay, imagine that you wanted to go see Jesus and he was still, still here on this earth. And imagine that there's only a million people living on the earth. And you're the millionth person in line. And so Jesus is here, and he's operating like he did in the Bible. So he's a man. So he's got 24 hours a day, and he's got to sleep, and he's got to eat. So let's just say, let's give him a hard work day. He's working 14 hours a day, every day, seven days a week, which he wouldn't do because he's not honoring the Sabbath, which Jesus would never do. But for the sake of the illustration, stick with me here, okay? 14 days, or seven days a week, 14 hours a day. And, and let's just say, for the sake of the illustration, that you have a minute to talk to him. You got 30 seconds to ask a question, 30 seconds to get an answer. You're the millionth person in line. It would take you three and a half years. Every three and a half years, you would be able to have a one minute encounter with Jesus. And there's 8 billion people on the planet. So let me just tell you this would not be the best scenario. But the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. And Jesus said, I'm going to send him. He's going to be just like me, but he's going to abide in you and be with you. So here's what that means. He's with you all the time, 24 hours a day. He doesn't get tired. He speaks your language and every language of every human being on this earth. You go to the moon, he'll be with you there. He'll always be with you. And this is why it's better that Jesus goes away because he could send someone just like him who could be with you all the time. In the middle of the night, you can call out to the Holy Spirit, and he's there. Isn't that awesome? You guys should be a lot more excited than you are. The Holy Spirit is amazing. He's your helper, and he wants to make a difference in your life. And, and when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, the word he uses when he says helper, it means he wants to come beside you and walk beside you, but he uses this word parakletos. And actually, in the, in, in the new year, in 2021, I'm going to do a whole series on the Holy Spirit and kind of talk about these roles that the Holy Spirit wants to play in your life. But I want to kind of give you just a quick version of some of what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you because it's so incredible. Number one, he wants to be your comforter. Parakletos means he wants to be your comforter. That means when you're brokenhearted, when you're hurt, when you're disappointed, when you're angry, 
The Holy Spirit who's in you, who's abiding with you, wants to come to you and he wants to speak to you. And he knows exactly how to talk to you, to calm you down and to bring peace to your soul, to bring comfort to you. The Holy Spirit's your comforter. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. I read one time that the average psychic in America makes $200 an hour. Isn't that crazy? In a year, that's $700,000 plus. And people pay that kind of money to psychics. Why? Because they want to know what the future holds. But you know, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth and he'll tell you things to come. So I got good news for you today. You don't have to go pay $200 to some demon-possessed person to let them tell you what the future holds. You can ask the Holy Spirit who abides in you and is with you what's going on, what the future holds, and he'll speak to you and give you direction in the days ahead. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. The Bible says that the, the devil is your adversary, that he, he's the accuser of the brethren, the Bible tells us. In other words, here's what, the, here's what the devil does. He comes to you and he says, you're a loser. You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. You're a waste of life. You are your sins. You are your mistakes. You'll, you're, you're a waste of breath. It'd be better if you didn't even exist. But the Holy Spirit's your advocate. You know what that means? He's your defense attorney. So when the enemy's coming against you, making accusations, the Holy Spirit will come in and he'll defend you. And how he defends you is not to say you're perfect, because you're not. He says Jesus was perfect. And you've received what Jesus has done for you, so through Jesus you've been made perfect. And yeah, you make mistakes, but, 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 I'm, but God's here for you and God loves you. And if you'll just repent and turn from your wicked ways and, 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 and have fellowship with other believers, we can move ahead into what God has for you. He's your advocate. He's your defender. He's your intercessor. Not only does he pray for you, uh, but he also gives you the ability through a prayer language to pray uh, in tongues, pray with the spirit of, of God, a perfect prayer that you may not understand, but it's a perfect prayer in perfect agreement and alignment with the word of God and it allows you to pray beyond your weakness. The Bible tells us that our weakness in prayer is that we don't always know what to pray. But through the Holy Spirit, you can pray in your heavenly language. You can yield your tongue to God. And God, through you, can pray a perfect prayer about things to come that you don't even know that's in a perfect agreement with the will of God and the word of God and that hides the plans of God from the enemy. How cool is that? The Holy Spirit's your strengthener. Acts 1.8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Paul said that he prayed in the Spirit more than everybody because it built him up. The Holy Spirit wants to build you up. He wants to strengthen you. We all have limitations to our strength. We all have limitations to our knowledge, but the Holy Spirit wants to come alongside you and help you move beyond your own strength and your own limitations. And then the last thing is the Holy Spirit's your standby. If you've ever flown standby before, what happens is you're sitting in the gate area and maybe they've, they've overbooked the, the flight. And so they let you know, hey, just, just hang out here. And when we call your name, uh, you come up to the gate and we'll, we'll get you on on the, on the plane. And so you're kind of waiting for an opportunity. And when they call your name, you go rushing up there because you want to seize the opportunity to get on board that plane. Listen, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's standing by, looking at your life, just waiting for you to call his name so he can come rushing to your aid to help you. He's your standby. And if you invite him in, he'll come. So, so what do we do? What do we do? How do we walk in the fullness of this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Well, you need an additional baptism. You need to receive the baptism of, in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an event that takes place after salvation where you invite and ask the Holy Spirit to come and to, to, to baptize you in a greater way into the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, and, and when you get saved, understand, you receive the Holy Spirit in part. And it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the difference between taking a drink of water 
and jumping into a pool. When you get saved, you, you, get, you receive in part the Holy Spirit in your life. But when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are immersed in the Holy Spirit. You're saturated in the Holy Spirit. You come out of that water different than how you went in, right? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to make an impact in you. And we see this take place in the New Testament church in several places. I'll give you just a couple of, uh, of places just because I want you to see this in Scripture. In Acts chapter 8, Philip has gone to Samaria and he's preached the gospel to a group of people, and some of these people have received the message of Jesus Christ. It says in Acts 14, 8, verse 14, it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, so they heard the message of Philip and they received it, they sent Peter and John to them. So notice, they send a couple of disciples of Jesus Christ to these people. Why do they do that? They sent them to them, uh, who when they had come to them, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had not fallen upon none of them. Now, they've been, they've been saved, but they haven't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They've only been baptized into salvation. So, so get this. Why would Peter and John, disciples of Jesus Christ, come and pray for these people to receive a baptism in the Holy Spirit if they've already received the baptism in the Holy Spirit when they got saved? Let me show you another place. Acts chapter 19. Paul. You guys remember Paul? Yeah. If you don't know Paul, Paul, just so you know... In, in, in like in, in, from a biblical perspective, he's kind of a big deal. Like he's Paul. Paul, the Apostle Paul. Like wrote most of the New Testament, that Paul. So this, this is what we're talking about here. Just want to make sure that's clear. Like he knows his theology. He's Paul. Okay, okay so here he is. Verse 1. And it happened when Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Disciples means they're followers of Jesus Christ. They've received salvation. Verse 2, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? If they already received the Holy Spirit when they believed, why would he ask that question? He's Paul. He knows his stuff. So they said to him, we have not so much even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, and to what then were you baptized? I kind of get like Paul's kind of going... Okay, let's just make sure you, what, what God are you talking about here? Let's make sure we're clear on that. So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe, that salvation, repent and believe, on him who would come after him, that is Jesus Christ. Verse 5, it says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, that's water baptism, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Paul comes to these group of guys. They've been saved. He prays for them. He helps them receive water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we see this over and over again in the book of Acts. We see it happening five years after Jesus, up to 30 years after Jesus, we see this taking place in Scripture. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an additional baptism that God wants you to receive, a plunging into the work of the Holy Spirit where he saturates you and helps you to walk out the Christian life. It's an essential foundation that God wants you to build your life on so you can walk in the fullness of the life he's called you to. So how do you receive it? Real simple. Number one, you ask. You have to ask. Luke 11, verse 13, uh, Jesus says to, to a group of people, he says, um, if you ask... The, the Holy Spirit is available to them that ask, is what he says. So my question to you is, have you ever asked for the Holy Spirit? If you haven't, all you have to do is ask. That's all you have to do. You ask, number one, and number two, you believe. 
You receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit just like you receive everything from God. When you got saved, you asked and you believed. You asked Jesus to save you and you believed in faith. The grace is there and, and by faith you receive it, right? You receive healing the same way. Everything we receive from God, we receive by asking and believing. And the same is true for the Holy Spirit. And if you've never done that, I want to help you to step into that today. I want to pray for you and help you to step into this incredible, essential, foundational relationship that God wants you to have. And maybe you're here today and you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before, but, but you would say today, maybe you're not really operating in it like you should. In fact, the Bible, when it talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it, it says in Ephesians 5.18, it says we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the idea of being filled when it talks about that is the idea of ongoing it's continuous. It means be being filled. You know why you got to be being filled? Why it's a continuous thing? Because listen, you leak. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Turn the person beside you and say, you leak. You leak. We all do. You know, my, my son, Gus, some, from time to time, he'll come to me with his basketball and he'll say, hey, I need you to air this up. And, and the reason why he brings it to me is because he knows I know how to air it up the right way. He'll, he'll air it up sometimes and he puts way too much air in it, you know, that whole way too much bounce in it. So I'll air it up to the right amount. But, but the reason it has to keep being aired up is because that ball loses air. Why? Because that ball is constantly making contact with the world. And the pressures of this world are constantly coming against that ball. Atmospheric pressure is changing around that ball all the time, which causes that air to leak and, and to disappear. And listen, and the same is true for you. As a, as, a, as a person living in this world, you are constantly in contact with the world, constantly banging against this world. And there's pressures that are coming against you all the time, and those pressures are going to cause you to leak. And so Jesus says you need to be being filled, continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here today and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you're here today and you want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, I want to pray for you and help you to receive this. Now, I love it. It's so awesome. In first service, I think we had 15 people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I believe there's many of you right now, the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. God's dealing with you. This is an essential foundation. Some of you are struggling in life because you're not walking in partnership with the helper that's just like Jesus that he wants to, he wants to send to walk with you through life and help you in life. And I, I want to give you this opportunity today, and let me just tell you, it ain't going to get weird, because I ain't weird, and we're not a weird church. We do everything the right way, decent and in order, according to the word. Yeah. So we're not looking to manifest anything. We're not going to try to knock you down. You're good. You're going to be good. We just want to do what the word of God says. We want to lay hands on you and help you to receive this incredible, essential, foundational relationship that God wants you to experience. You need an additional baptism. Some of you need to be refilled today. So if you would, would you stand with me, church? Everybody stand up. I'm going to invite my altar ministry team to come down at this time. If you're one of our altar counselors, would you please come down? And if you're here today and, and you would say, I, I've never asked the Holy Spirit. I've never asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I know that God is, is talking to me. I know I need to do this today. Or maybe you're here today. And let me just tell you, Wherever you find yourself, like don't, if you've been coming to the church for a while and you might say, well, if I tell people, you know, if I go down, 
they're going to think that I'm not the Christian I, I've been saying. I, no, we're not. Listen, if you just want a fresh infilling, we're here for you today. We'd love to lay hands on you. Maybe you just, you need some endued power. Maybe you've been dealing with this COVID junk and you're sick of all this stuff going on and you just know you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit today. Whatever the case may be, we are here for you today. We would love to lay hands on you and pray for you to receive this incredible gift. So if that's you, the, the altars are open. You can start coming down now. Start coming down right now. Step out in faith. Be bold. Don't be shy. Come on down. Receive what God has for you. There are many Christians, they live their life in defeat. They live their life in failure. For years in my life, I, I, was, I thought of the Holy Spirit as a force. That's kind of how I, I learned about the Holy Spirit. I thought of him as like a tool, but the Holy Spirit's not a tool. He's a person, and he wants to help you. He wants to walk beside you in life. He wants to strengthen you. And it's an incredible gift that, that Jesus says, if you ask, you'll receive. That's a biblical truth and a foundation that can transform your life today. So don't leave today. Don't leave today without receiving this. Lord, I just pray for everyone here today. I pray for those who, Holy Spirit, you're, you're drawing, you're tugging on them right now. They know they need to come down. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to step out in faith to receive what you have for them. Je Jesus, we're so grateful that you didn't leave us alone. You didn't die on the cross just to throw us a life preserver so that we could just try to stay afloat until you return. But, but what you actually did was you sent someone into this world to help carry us and help walk beside us and strengthen us and empower us. Lord, we're so grateful for the Holy Spirit, Lord. And I just pray that you would fill people up with faith to step out and receive this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit you have for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.